Good morning, noon or night, ladies and gentlemen, gifted animals, boys and girls. Welcome to the Crypto Conversion Podcast, joined again by Matt and Connor. Guys, it's been a great week for me. How has it been going for you? Great week. You can't complain. You can't <laughs> complain. Yeah, never can't complain. So um, it's kind of crazy how <laughs> these episodes start with us having conversations that we should be recording, but you know, it's just how the ebbs and flows of this goes. So we'll we'll do our best to uh, try to come back to that in the episode. So um, let's start with some news uh, this week. And I guess I wanted to start. So one of my favorite crypto news sources, channels, um, guy from the Coin Bureau, uh, he came out with a short, one, a YouTube short early in the week talking about um, Nigeria moving to uh, CBDC for their economy um, in terms of being able to transfer money. Uh, and we all know how we feel about CBDCs, but it seems like that's where a lot of economies are trying to go. I guess I just didn't expect to see that. Um, I want to call it primitive, but that, you know, it's it feels like a move that Nigeria wants to make to get out of their high inflationary um, currency situation, as a lot of those countries unfortunately have uh, like Nigeria you see in the you know the the pictures of somebody with a wheelbarrow of money going to get a loaf of bread and that, that it's just kind of a weird thing that we you know despite all the inflation that we have in our economy we don't have it to the extent that they do so essentially everybody is being suppressed from taking money out of their bank accounts in Nigeria. So if you have like a couple grand in your bank account, you can only take $40, essentially $40 a day. I'm not sure how that works from a conversion standpoint to the, you know, USD to what um, the fiat is in Nigeria, but it, it can't be that great. Um, if it's imagine if we could only withdraw $40 a day. So when things like this happen, and the amount of technology that people have access to today, all of a sudden, Bitcoin is making a huge, huge adoption in Nigeria. And Bitcoin exploded all the way up to 68K in Nigeria. So I'm not sure if you... <laughs> If you're like an arbitrage guy, like SBF said that he bought Bitcoin in the United States and then sold it in Japan, like could you have bought in Bitcoin in the United States and sold it in Nigeria for a profit? That would have been, I mean, shoot, like I don't, I, I, I don't know, like I wouldn't have done that. That would feel make me feel terrible taking advantage of a an economy like that. But it's just something to think about. It's like, man, it's just so sad that people don't have access to their money and we're told we need to be able to trust banks. And I just feel like this is one of those situations where it's, it's getting more and more pressing that um, we need something different or people in certain types of economies need something different if they're not going to be able to access their funds. So I'm not sure what you all thought about that story, but I was just, it, it, it's kind of crazy to me because I've never experienced anything to that extent, I guess. And I don't know if I will ever. I, what you're saying now, I, I think is a, a good point in that there's a lot, you see a lot of people buying um, crypto in, um, I, and I don't know if it's a huge number or huge percentage, but you see people buying crypto in countries where they either have a rapidly devaluing fiat currency or they lack certain banking infrastructure. And um, and that's because they need it, right? It, it almost doesn't make sense when you tell your neighbor, you tell your friend about like, no, 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 get out of the banks, you know, and buy Bitcoin. They're like, no, the banks are fine here. You know, like our currency is, you know, has reached new highs relative to other currencies. Um, and so, uh, yeah, I, I've... 
and it's it's interesting. There's there's kind of this technology leaping uh, that gets done in um, like in Africa. They never had landline telephones. You know, they just when they adopted telephones, we already had cell phones, so they just went to cell phones. And so it, it's kind of cool to see, you know, that they're they're like, oh, now the infrastructure is here for us to you know take control of our own money. Let's hop on that. Let's just jump right to that. Um, you know, I, and I don't know what banking infrastructure looks like in Nigeria, but but uh, because the technology exists and you know is is usable, and there's this you know global network of people transacting, um, they can they can hop on, they can get some Bitcoin and start using that, um, which and, is great. And Matt, on a second note, in Africa they were already using like so you know how like with the track phone you buy minutes for it, you load the minutes on the phone. They were already using minutes as a means of bartering or you know transferring value amidst uh peer to peer uh at that level so cell phone companies in Africa hold kind of a, of a privatized financial network where if i need something but i don't have fiat accessible i can transfer you some some cell phone minutes and you'll get me whatever you know what i need and from that you have so there is already a system very much like what we envision bitcoin to be like already um already established in africa so that that's something that i always found fascinating about the african economy and, and don't quote us on this we're not experts in it i'm only speaking from what i have seen in news stories and articles and reading about this stuff but it's fascinating how that has worked in that in in that economy so mm -hmm. so to speak I, i'm not sure what your thoughts are on it connor but it's quite interesting yeah I, i'm kind of curious actually about the um the nigerian cbdc like what kind of form it takes and i haven't looked into this i would mm -hmm. be curious to go back and check it out um but i imagine it's not it's not blockchain based no um, i think it would have made yeah. some news if it was so yeah i'm just you know, what, what does this look like and exactly how restrictive is it for the Nigerians? As far as I know, that's the first CBDC that we've seen launched. I mean, technically China has one, I think. I think there's a digital yuan. Digital yuan, yeah. Digital yuan. Okay. Yeah. Um, but no, the, so the big reason why people aren't able to get their money out of the bank is because if Nigeria had a bank run, there wouldn't be enough like for in sure. the yeah. liquidity pool mm -hmm. for them to even set up the um the CBDC to be backed so it's almost like the government is using what's in the banks to hedge against the CBDC um i'm not sure what this looks like for the people of nigeria i i am not familiar with the whole infrastructure there i know it's i know it's not the greatest from what i've seen from afar but it's just kind of an interesting story and you can find all kinds of stories about this um i'm looking at forbes right now and it's just kind of like if, if if forbes is running this story and it, it, that's it's gotten pretty mainstream um which is interesting I think there is a narrative that Bitcoin is somewhat of a hedge against uh, government corruption. I want to like hold that to be always true, but you even look in like the U.S. with the Canadian trucker protest, and um, you know these things with COVID, even these things just kind of creating um, a need or a use case maybe for Bitcoin, or there's some uncertainty about you know the survival of the government or or whatnot, um, and that's kind of driving people to crypto. I think there's definitely that narrative though. Yeah. I, it, just sure. one comment before we leave the Nigeria thing. Um, I, I did look it up because you were talking about inflation um, and they don't have, there are definitely countries that have uh, very high inflation rates. Uh, Nigeria isn't that high. I mean, still much okay. higher than the U.S., but, you know, kind of averaging, you know, anywhere from like eight to 20 percent per year, which, again, is a lot. But it's not, you know, it's not 70 um, percent every year. You know, it's not uh, definitely not the highest. So it's not Brazil. Not no. Do you think okay off topic? Do you think the U.S. dollar has anything to do with some of this? 
Um, I'm not sure, right? We could say the U.S. dollar is the global reserve currency because that's you know yeah. how international transfers are. Yeah. are I, I don't know whatever name they want to give it. Um, and I've definitely been hearing and seeing things about there being a dollar shortage. Um, mm-hmm. You know that it's it's harder to find dollars. I think there was a story about mm. um, a Middle Eastern country, you know, making an agreement with China to you know settle in yuan instead of um, yeah Iraq, dollars, right? Or okay, Iraq was it? Yeah, and so um, I I don't know. I wonder if if you know there's a shortage of dollars. Um, I think especially with and it's almost funny, right? The, like the, in crypto terms, right? The the treasury is putting out these bonds with high interest rates, so they're you know stake your dollars for this APR, and then everybody locks up the dollars, and now the circulating supply is lower, and and you know it drives up this demand. Um, so I. That's my understanding. Again, I'm not a macro economist, but, um, you know, I can only relate it to crypto terms. <laughs> For sure. No, I, I get it. And, <laughs> and and I know that, and, and obviously, like everything we say here, not financial advice, entertainment purposes only, but it's like, it's just interesting to just think about, like, why, I mean, I understand why Iraq went their way. There's geopolitical reasons probably but there's also just like hey we have an economy to run here and the united states came in and blew us up and we were still rebuilding a lot of what we had so if there's not enough u.s dollars around to help us sustain whatever it is that we're trying to improve upon we have to find value somewhere else so and china has made it through the belt and road initiative very favorable for some of these struggling countries to have things like ports, supply chains, um, economic infrastructures, business manufacturing businesses. So I get, I get it, but it, it's just it's fascinating. Yeah. I don't really fully understand either. Like maybe I just don't know like foreign policy or foreign trade too much. But like, Hit was me. there anything preventing Iraq other than Iraq's own policies from transacting with Juan? I mean. Besides, no. besides the fact that of the petrodollar, you have to buy oil with USD. I, I don't really know that there's any uh, global in- initiatives or incentives to, to force countries to transact with USD. Otherwise, is there? Don't quote me on this, but I don't think the United States buys oil from Iraq. I think that it's because of Saudi something with Saudi Arabia. Um, there's There's a lot of things that go into that sort of stuff with the petrodollar that I'm not 100% privy to. Well, I just mean that uh, the petrodollar just means that anybody who's buying um, oil has to buy with us dollars. That's the, that's the agreement. Um, But uh, well, I I think think that's going to start changing. Well, it already has started changing. Yeah. But um, I don't think that um, I don't think there's anything preventing Iraq from say transacting other trade with Juan. So was it just Iraq's policy that they only did it with U.S. dollar? Because they pr- probably it was because other currencies are uncertain. Um, so they wanted something that was relatively stable to kind of I regulate think their I, trade. Connor, I think there was because of the influence the United States had over Iraq, overthrowing the government, instituting new government systems. Um, when you institute new government systems, you're also um, instituting new financial and economic systems. Yeah. And I think that the United States has the United States present in, presence in the Middle East has kind of backtracked a little bit, you know, with the Afghanistan and everything. And I think that has incentivized those economies to go for those opportunities that they might not have had had the United States been as influential as they have been. You know, back yeah. in the early two thousands. So no, it, Dave, I'm not. I'm no not one hundred percent an expert. Social pressure there, but I don't think they broke any like trade deals or anything. To- no, I, not that I know of yet. But who knows? Breaking news coming up soon potentially. So, yeah, I don't know. So this is actually a good transition to what we wanted to talk about today. Which is, um, you know, as we're talking about this government corruption and and um, you know the way they run economies and and fiat currencies in general, right? How how do we decentralize ourselves? You know, how how could we achieve that? How does one kind of remove themselves as much as possible from 
kind of this financial, um, financial systems, financial, um, yeah. So Brandon, did you want to start us off with a definition? Yeah. So I know this is really cheesy, but I feel like a lot of times we talk, these terms get thrown around in crypto, like, you know, decentralization, peer to peer, um, transferable. And I know I just, I, I gave some really blanket ones. There's other terms too, but we hear these, these adjectives that describe crypto and sometimes i feel like we don't necessarily understand the core of the word and it's kind of interesting as i look up the word decentralization on google how the relevance of the world the relevance of the word has increased exponentially the past 10 years (laughs) and i and uh i think that um i mean crypto probably has a little bit to do with it i think other industries do as well but um, so the definition of decentralization um, is the transfer of control of an activity or organization to several local offices or authority rather than a single one. Um, so that's kind of interesting, I guess, from the definition standpoint. Um, I, I think, the yeah. you know, etymologically, the word itself, right, it's, it's you know, you can't decentralize if you haven't centralized, right? Exactly. It's an action against, it's a response to, you know, centralization. But I'm going to be honest. I didn't really know the word until oh. I got into crypto. Honestly, like I hadn't really heard it thrown around. Mm-hmm. And now I hear it. I hear it thrown around all the time. Like I hear blockchain thrown around so much more now yeah. to describe things the same way I hear decentralization thrown around more to describe things. So, I think it's a crypto cryptoization of vernacular that's kind of um making this type of language acceptable in conversations now. Mm-hmm. Especially for those of us that are already in crypto, like no duh. Sure, I it definitely has a connotation, right? Same yeah. way like I was I don't know why I was thinking about this earlier but um as I don't know, all Christians, but as Catholics in particular, you know, we say a layman is like somebody who's not a priest, you know, yeah, and like not, not but, a cleric. But, yeah. But layman means, you know, it could mean any, anybody who's not trained or certified in a field, you know, like it's funny. Anytime I hear someone else say it, I'm like, well, of course they're a layman, you know, and it's like, oh, no, never mind. Yeah. <laughs> or, vo- or, or vocation. Oh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Vocation has that one. double entendre too. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, we just Catholic out there, sure. Connor. Yeah, I'm lost. Oh, shit. <laughs> I know these terms. I'm no, I'm just kidding. I know you know. <laughs> so, with a decentralized, how do we live decentralized? I guess is what I'm asking. Like, if if we were to say like, so obviously like Coinbase makes it so easy for us to buy crypto from our bank accounts. And they talk about decentralization and all this stuff, but that's not truly decentralized. Like they know that you're buying that your bank knows that you're moving money into Coinbase to buy an asset there. And Coinbase knows that you bought this asset and then, yeah, you can move it to whatever cold storage you have, but Coinbase still has that record of that proof of purchase that you bought it there. Um, and I, I don't know, it's just, there's a lot of different ways I feel like to go about decentralization, but it's, it's hard. It's not an easy thing to do. Um, if you were to intentionally try to do it, which is something, a conversation that we've been talking about at least, because it just seems like more and more the bank wants to know what you're doing. Venmo is play Venmo places restrictions on how much money you can move, um, from one account to another, I think it's like a six hundred dollar limit now. I don't know. I don't I, know specifically. I don't but. think they restrict it. I think they report it if you yeah. do oh, that. Okay. So they'll report that to the IRS. So you can't, you know, hide your transactions that are yeah. Sure. So I guess the question that Connor and I were talking about last week is, if I'm just a regular person that is working, you know, out in the world doing my doing my due diligent American economic um, laborer, like just, just, uh, you know, making my paycheck, how, how would I be decentralized? Because it feel like it feels like every employer now 
pushes for direct deposit, which makes sense because it's it's easy and the infrastructure is built up. But what if I didn't want to be a part of that like that consistent thing that we've just become so accustomed to? What if I wanted to not have a bank account and just wanted to go off the grid essentially, but I still needed to make money? Um, in some way, shape, or form, like I'd have to basically just do it with. I'd have to basically do it with just cash, right? I feel like I feel like some of these. I mean, talking about the um, cryptoization of of terms and words, I feel like um, we're kind of like viewing we're, we're combining a lot of things into decentralization that maybe are not necessarily part of that world, like uh, anonymity. Yeah, um, yeah. you know, just this idea of trustlessness or transparency. And we kind of like combine all of that stuff into decentralization because that's how we, those, those are the types of things that we associate with crypto and with blockchain. And so you can't necessarily have uh, one without the other. So I, I don't know. I mean, I don't, uh, I don't really think that there's anything particularly not decentralized about, um, you know, transferring a, a paycheck to your bank account or even to a Coinbase wallet. It's just that it's everybody know. I mean, it's it's knowable. You're not anonymous mm-hmm. doing it. Um, you know, that's that's a tracked uh, transaction. Um, well, I I do think it's centralization. Um, I think part of the question is how do I like divorce myself? How do I remove myself from relying on set on central entities to do things. So cash, nobody, I don't need anybody to tell me I can or can't pay cash. Right. I I can, everybody has to accept it. It's legal tender. Yeah. Right. Um, you know, and that's something that a lot of people don't, I mean, really like fully comprehend. It's like cash is actually very decentralized. The actual hard cash itself. Um, it's once you're holding it, you're holding it like, you know, there's no, there's nobody, who, there's nobody who can uh, freeze the wallet, right? Yeah, exactly. And, and it's anonymous too, right? You can't really, I mean, you know, the guy sees you paying for it, but they're going to see yeah. you paying for it, whether you do it in Bitcoin or cash or anything. But, you know, he can't go back mm-hmm. to your pocket and say, oh, it looks like he still has, you know, $10,000 in his pocket the way you could. You know, if I sent you a Bitcoin transaction, you can say, wow, you still have that much in your wallet. Um, yeah. How yeah, often no. do you how often do you guys see people pay in cash today? Not very often. I I've got some friends who do it. Um, okay. like I, I know people who they just like to have cash on hand and so like we go to a restaurant yeah. and they pay in cash. I mean I've known people like that, uh for sure. I was only that like way. that when I was in my early twenties and would go to the bars. I found cash to be way more easier to operate in a in a bar going out because um, I I had this uh, in the back of my head that if I had $10 bills, because everybody always tries to pay for things in 20s or credit cards, the bartender is going to come to me first because I have a 10 and, sh- and she needs more 10s than she does 20s <laughs> to break change. So I, so I was trying well, because to- Well, because of inflation, like, that's a 20 now. You need to have a 20. <laughs> I know, but- <laughs> But it's just I thought it, I thought it was helpful because when I bartended, I always was or worked at the gas station. I always ran out of tens the fastest, so I thought I was doing people favors by your arbitrage tens exactly. <laughs> yeah, but uh, I, I don't know. I just thought that was a little funny side note. So sorry to get off topic, but since we were talking about what what people use cash for, I was like, oh, that's <laughs> that's what I was trying to do back in the day. Yeah, I think it's helpful to think about cash because so cash is peer to peer. I give you cash and you give me the thing, right? And and so if we rely on a credit card, um, like that's a centralized network, you know, that like when I put my credit card on it, you know, the notification goes to the centralized network, they approve the purchase and then it goes through, you know, then they receive their payment, you know, a debit card, Mm -hmm. it goes through the bank, right? Same thing, centralized entity. And so, um, yeah, so cash is a good example of decentralization makes us think about the ways that, you know, everything else we do is centralized. Um, and Mm -hmm. then, 
we kind of mentioned crypto is also like that, right? Not everybody accepts it, right? But if, if somebody does, I could send Bitcoin, you know, or mm. anything else and say, you know, again, that is peer to peer. Um, right. You know, I know we were talking earlier about like Strike, um, you know, incorporating the Lightning Network. You know, I, I don't know if they'll, you know, as a centralized entity, you know, deny somebody from using it. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. I wonder if... Uh, yeah, I mean, they definitely they definitely could because once you're passing through the Strike ecosystem, there's that fiat um, off ramp to immediately pay the grocer, right, um, mm-hmm. or whoever it is that you're you're paying with your Lightning Network Bitcoin. Um, so they could definitely they could definitely blacklist you from their platform. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, so I mean, on the question of how do you how do you live like a decentralized life is the question is really like how do you live like a peer to peer life and not have to rely on any uh any centralized eyes you know watching what you're doing or necessarily um kind of controlling uh what you're allowed to do with with what you have i guess that's kind of the question right how do you live a peer to peer life well, I think, okay, so good example of this. A lot of immigrants have to do that. Like, they have to get paid in cash, and they have to, they have, you get what I'm saying? Like, yeah, yeah but I think part of that's because they're getting paid under the table, right? Right, that's True. what he's sure. They are <laughs> know, avoiding but, the law, if that's, but, if that's what we're trying to but, do. No, right? actually, but I they're living tell. as decentralized as it gets. It's true. Well, they're living off the grid. I don't know. I just don't necessarily think that's necessarily decentralized. But yeah, okay. they are living off the grid. They're living a very um, peer-to-peer, trustless uh, in life, I guess. But I, I did mention to you that uh, I did know I know somebody who her brother um, sure. gets paid in Bitcoin, and he goes to the ATM to get his cash every week. Um, okay. But uh, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm fairly sure that he's getting paid under the table because of that. But, um, but yeah, that's uh, that's a very um, peer-to-peer existence. I I am curious. I and I I was thinking about this question. Would you mind? And this is for both of you. Would you mind getting paid in Bitcoin? Would you prefer it? Would you mind it? Um, I I don't know. I I I personally think it's kind of too volatile. You know, like this year I want my salary to be three Bitcoin, but this year I want my salary to be like six Bitcoin, right? Cause it's gone down. Yeah. I, I don't know, you know, and not that they set things like that, but uh, I, I don't know. Thoughts on I, that? I would, I would prefer it, but, I, but I'm also a very private person. I don't like people watching what I'm doing, you know? Yeah. So, and I'm, I'm at a point in my life where I can kind of accept that risk a little bit, probably sure. more than somebody with a family could. Yeah, I'll I'll speak to that being the family guy here. Um, so I feel like I could navigate it. Two or three years ago, when I started out in crypto, I would have been a little more skittish towards the idea. But after meeting people like you, Matt, and other people in cryptocurrency, I think I could. I think I could handle the swings. I would still have to make sure that I had enough cash, though, in reserves just to be able to do certain things though like i would still need to i would still need to have a a quality budget um set aside for a rainy day in case the markets went kaput like they did you know what was it like last summer um so there there would have to be some there definitely need to be some checks and balances placed but i think i could handle it say like I don't know, like I move like 25% of my paycheck into fiat just mm-hmm. so I have enough to like a- afford, you know, house, whatever my whatever my family needs, groceries. So I think there's a way to do it, but I wouldn't encourage the everyday person who hasn't been in crypto long enough to to do it. Matt, what what about you in your situation? He said no. Yeah. What'd you say? I said you said no, didn't you? Yeah, I I don't think I would. I think you're um, flat out no. Well, really, you're flat out no. It's okay. So so there's two sides of this. I remember, and I I was thinking about it because there was, I think a 
football player, a pro football player, uh, maybe a couple of years ago. When Offensive lineman for the Carolina Panthers. Yep. There you go. You got Pop it. Signal. Yeah. And he said, <laughs> Pop he said that he uh, wanted to be paid in Bitcoin. And so he was paid in Bitcoin. And I just remember like comments on that. And someone, you know, people were like, well, why not? Like, you could just get paid in fiat and then buy Bitcoin. Right. Yeah, exactly. Like, like, I, it, sure. You, you know, there's, there's a, a fee on the exchange to buy it. I, like, I, I think I'm at that point in life, but, um, I don't know if there's greater adoption and we're all on the lightning network, you know, doing things like, sure. I, I'd love to get, you know, that would make more sense, but I, I, I don't know. I, I could say, you know, my paycheck comes in and I'm going to put 10, 20% yeah. into Bitcoin, but I, um, I don't know. I, I think I would prefer that rather no. than getting paid in Bitcoin and saying, sure. I'm going to put, 10, 20% in cash, you know, and that's, I don't know, maybe part of that's risk, part of that's um, utility, I guess, you know, my, no, I think (laughs) my paycheck doesn't go all towards investments, right? I I need to, I need to use it. So I think, I I think this is actually a really good point that you're bringing up, Matt, because the question is like, oh, uh, you know, how can you live a decentralized life? I think first you have to ask why, like Mm. what, what is the point of this pro football player getting his paycheck in Bitcoin? There's really no conceivable point, like you said, because you can just get it so, in cash and then you can buy the Bitcoin. I, I think he was I think he was African, Connor, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. would I think he must have been sending money to family or something. Um, sure, just but to, again, just to clarify, just to clarify. Right. But again, I mean, there was there's what's really the benefit to him besides the public spectacle of it, because you can still just buy Bitcoin and then send it. Right. No, I, I think that's good. I think, it, it, you know, utility, right? I'm going to spend most of my paycheck on things that I need to use cash for. If he's going to spend a big chunk on things that he needs Bitcoin for, I, I, I do think that makes sense. And, um, yeah. I, you know, if, if maybe somebody also, you know, talking about immigrants, if somebody has a hard time getting a bank account, right, it, it might be better to have something that can be transacted you know globally or, or you know via a network than having a big wad of cash um i i don't know i, I do see that and so you're right we you've got to look at the reasons you got to look at the reasons why somebody would do it um and you know i buy bitcoin as kind of a hedge against corruption right if my bank account got frozen i still have you know at least some bitcoin not mm. like some bitcoins but some of a bitcoin right <laughs> <laughs> that like yep. you know I, i've got that in reserves that can you know i can survive on that for a, a minute well right I well i mean my real point though is like you really do have to ask yourself that question because if you're getting bitcoin and then you're putting it straight to an exchange and you're buying stable coins so that you can basically live your you know life then you're not really you're not really getting any real utility out of the bitcoin mm-hmm. aspect of it so i mean that's you have to ask yourself like why do i want to live a decentralized life in most cases, either A, you really don't trust the um, the government and you think that um, fiat is potentially going to crash or whatever it is. And so you're hedging yourself with as much Bitcoin as possible. Or two, you really don't want any prying eyes on your money at all, in which case you're not going to buy stable coins on a centralized exchange with it anyway. You're just going to take the risk for what it's worth. Um, you know, because otherwise... Yeah, Bitcoin is too volatile to really want to get your paycheck in. And then, you know, the next day, Bitcoin dropped like, you know, 10% and you just lost 10% of your paycheck. Like, that's absurd, right? So, I mean, even even in the case of that football player, like, sure, maybe it's a little more convenient for him if he's going to spend most of it in Bitcoin. But again, I I just don't really see the benefit of potentially taking a 10% or who knows what percentage drop in your income or your paycheck just because... You know, you took it in Bitcoin in the next and day. And for the record, Russell Akung uh, put uh, half of that $13 million in fiat. So only half of it was in crypto. Mm. Just to clarify, I looked it up while we were here. So, um, yeah, uh, yeah. So not, as, not as much as we thought. But still, that's still a lot of Bitcoin. So if we say Bitcoin is... Um, more of a sound money, right? Like gold, right? It, it might be nice to be paid in gold, right? We uh, can, uh, you know, hope that that's going to retain its value, right? Like, I, uh, that might be a similar question. Would you like to get paid in gold bars or gold coins? Um, you Boomer know, rocks. And, and maybe you do. Maybe you do want to get paid in, in, but but because there's this idea, and so um, I don't know. So I like that idea of like half and half, right? I, like 
you know, I would put 10, 15, 20% of my paycheck into a retirement account to grow and, and things anyway, right? If I could, you know, instead of having to deal with an exchange, if I could say, hey, you know, take out, you know, send me 10% of my paycheck in Bitcoin to this wallet, you know, uh, that might be good, right? Uh, to see it yeah. as an investment or as something that's going to retain value over time. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I guess... The real answer for me is why I would want to live a decentralized existence and why I would also take my money in Bitcoin is because I really don't want um, prying eyes being able to potentially freeze my accounts in the future or even know what I have. Like I just, I don't want, you know, that kind of oversight of my belongings, my paycheck. I don't want people to know. So because of that, um, I would take my money in Bitcoin, but I also wouldn't take it through some sort of centralized entity. Um, and, uh, you know, I think a lot of, uh, a lot of salaries are, are regulated um, in such a way that I don't think that I could probably receive my paycheck in a way that is totally anonymous. Uh, sure. At least through U.S. companies. So in most cases, no, I, would, I wouldn't. I would just rather take cash or whatever and buy my bitcoins elsewhere but, okay um, so let's 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 do an exercise let's yep. let's do let's see let's play how can i live completely decentralized um from how i get paid to just how i how i exist financially so all right so starting off like I don't think you can be a regular 40 hour a week employee. I think you need to be something like a farmer and I think you need to have some land and I think you need to do some, you need to have like, you need to be doing crops, livestock, chickens, eggs. You need to be doing something like that, um, that you're providing value to the sense that you can be your own business or be a business that others go to. So then you have to operate in a system where people are only paying you in Bitcoin, maybe Monero or Litecoin. If you're completely anonymous on those chains, could you even do that with Ethereum? Yeah. Okay. So any crypto, any crypto, basically, so long as you have a hardware wallet, right? Even if you don't have a hardware wallet. Yeah. Oh, they know where okay. to drop the address, right? <laughs> yeah, sure, yeah, sure. Okay, okay. And 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 so then um so then though comes the difficulty how do I exchange for fiat and stuff? So um we have what Connor what you pointed me in the direction of uh not a sponsor of the show, but the Bitcoin company allows you to buy uh gift cards using Bitcoin uh for that bridge to whatever store you might be buying something from. So well just a Visa gift card actually. You can even yeah, just put yeah, a trade on a Visa. You saw that? What? I, I've heard of this site before. Yeah. You can okay. get a Visa gift card too. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I so got one. anywhere. I, yeah. Yeah. So that's a, so that's Funny a good enough, using it, you only have one year to use the funds on it. Otherwise you lose them. Oh wow. I gotta check all my Visa cards. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I actually I have a couple too from from the from baby, so yeah, I got yeah. got to use that up um, on some diapers. But anyway, yeah, so like, so that's so this so the Bitcoin company gives a really good way if you wanted to remain anonymous for like online purchases or going to big chains like fast food restaurants and stuff like that. Or if I want to, it's funny, I'm watching it. If I want to play top golf or take an Uber, like, well, you, you wouldn't be taking Ubers if you were living decentralized, but there's, there's gift cards for it um, from the why Bitcoin not? company. So um, yeah, why wouldn't you use Uber? That's a peer to peer network. Um, there's, there, I feel there's, like Brandon I, is like living off the grid, not relying on technology yeah. at all existence. That's his definition well, of decentralization. Sure, I, sure. so I want, I want to take it to the nth degree here. Like if we're going to live decentralized, <laughs> let's get decentralized here. I'm what not is around. So, so part of this though, is you could have, um, right. So you don't have to have a farm 
in order to have a business where you sell stuff, right? No, you could have <laughs> a ca- you could have a cabin stuff. in the woods and you're a lumberjack. Like there's a lot of ways to do <laughs> this. I could I could create a website. I could create a software in order to purchase it. You need to send me Bitcoin, right? You I can <laughs> I'm sorry. Everything gets super colonial when I talk about this stuff. But anyway, so yeah, but like if you had a website, how could you do that? You could, I guess you could do it. It's online. That's even better. (laughs) I really feel like we're struggling with like the definition of decentralization. That's, I don't know. That's, I don't know. I just feel like you need your own business and you have to only take in cash and crypto and then in order to interact with the economy you can only use those vehicles as well like you're not getting you're not getting a credit card you're not getting a a bank account necessarily have a debit card so i guess that's just how okay. i've imagined it. it i i know that that's not the only way and i could be wrong but and i know i'm wrong but it, it that's what it seems like to me at least is like i don't know well he's Go ahead, Matt. I'm sorry. I just want to say something about the website thing. Like, like we literally talked about that last episode, right? Like these platforms that are trying to be a decentralized web, right? I can host my website on one of these platforms, right? And it's, you know, it's not like I'm, you know, hosting on Amazon, right? If, if we want to say I'm decentralizing myself from that as well, right? Um, I, anyway, I go out, Connor. I, you have to market fine. the website, though. No, they'll know. <laughs> you got to market your farm. How do they know to find you? How do they know you take Bitcoin? <laughs> well, how is marketing not decentralized, though? I don't... <laughs> exactly. I'm paying my peers, and they're walking around putting up flyers. Get, you can't get more decentralized than that. Okay, fair, <laughs> fair. <laughs> this is good. This is good. Connor, please. I don't even know what the discussion in. is at this point, <laughs> to be honest. Um yeah, I mean, I, I guess, again, like I said, this is kind of like the cryptoization of definitions and terms. But so we're wrapping into decentralized. Like, how can I live like totally private, like not sharing any private information about myself with any centralized entity? That's really your question, Brandon, right? Okay, actually, let me push back on this. I, and we were talking about this a little before the um, episode started. I do think there's a difference between um, decentralization and like atomization. You know, I, I think you can decentralize. Um, and in your definition you gave, you said authority goes from, you know, a, a single centralized unit to local units, right? And so like, I you know, I don't think you have to keep your farm private. I think everyone can know you have a farm, right? Sure. Like, and, you know, you could be the guy that has a farm, right? And I could be the guy that, and we were talking about this, I could run the Lightning Network node that everyone connects to and, and kind of transacts through, you know, That's like true. we could have, um, you know, we could set up our own little society and, and you know, we have a group of people who are doctors and, and nurses and, and, you know, we know what they do and we know they take Bitcoin and because we're all, mm-hmm. you know, in our little society using Bitcoin, apparently, um, or cash, because why not? That's also decentralized. But uh, you know what I'm saying? Like, like uh, I think, and this is, I feel like I was trying to say this in one of the other episodes. It's about, um, uh, in some regard, you know, it's what can I, how can I use what I have and, and know and can do to help the people around me to, to make it more local, you know, so I they don't have to, you mm-hmm. know, call someone five states over for this you know they can say hey you know i, I know well, a guy who can do that yeah here's a criticism i've heard i, I don't sure. even remember where i heard this I, otherwise i would attribute it but um somebody's criticism of bitcoin or a crypto financial system is this idea of trustlessness and that as christians in christianity we're not really called to build a trustless society we actually want to build trust in society right so why would we be spending all of our efforts efforts into creating something that requires does you know does isn't built on this idea of trust between humans, um, which I think is actually a good point. I don't think it's necessarily a good point against crypto. I just think it's a good point in general. Like we're not trying to uh, create a system that means that there's no no reliance on other people. Um, it just means that when it comes to uh, finances, that 
it can't be co-opted by forces that you know would seek to censor us or to push us out of the system. And really, even when it comes to decentralization, like I'm not even totally fully like everything has to be decentralized. I support decentralization with crypto and with with uh, Bitcoin, particularly with financial currencies, because right now the system we have is censoring Christians, is you know blacklisting Christians, is freezing bank accounts, is you know doing a lot of things that's really pushing us out of the system. But when I, if I'm really being honest, I would. I would either support, given what we have right now, a fully decentralized system where nobody has the power to kind of wield, um, you know, censorship against others, or I would support like a totally, totally centralized system where I fully trust the person who's, you know, at the at the center. Like that person is not going to freeze my bank account and you know, um, shut down churches or whatever. Like I, I would trust that system ultimately more than I would probably trust a totally decentralized system. But yeah, I, don't I, agree really with, see, I agree with you. But I don't really see that we have the opportunity to make that happen. So I support Bitcoin, given that. But I support Bitcoin for pragmatic reasons. I don't, I don't support Bitcoin in and of itself. You know? Same with decentralization. I don't think that decentralization mm-hmm. is an ultimate good. No. Yeah. And I mean, like, forget about my, my commune talk you know, prior, like I was, I was going full on like off the grid there. I, you know, it, it's not, you don't need to do that, but I think there's a lot of good things about self, you know, self and self-sustaining and lifestyle. I, guess, but I do I think guess what I was saying was, I think you need to have a business of some sort though, and to make it really worth your time. So that's what I, that's where my head was at um, with it is like, how can I create value for myself and those around me um, ultimately? And m- my head went to natural resources. Um, so, yeah, but I agree with you, Connor. I would rather have a centralized entity that I could 100% trust. It was ironclad. I knew that there was always going to be value there. And if I can, you know, and this is what I feel like so many Americans had done for the past like however long we've had what what we have like and uh, it's still very good in relationship to a lot of what the rest of the world has but mm-hmm. it's you know we're starting to see cracks in the foundation um and who knows they've been there longer than we've realized but you know, it's just one of those things it's like all right we're we're in this bubble and it's just going to keep getting bigger so but yeah, I'd, I'd rather have a centralized entity I could trust more than having to be decentralized, ultimately. Well, I mean, we all, I mean, here in this podcast, we recognize that to be necessarily true, right? Like the church is not a uh, decentralized entity in the sense that like we rely on decentralized consensus to come up with truth, right? We don't. So we, we kind of naturally understand that. Yeah, especially as Catholics, right? Like it, that's it's very <laughs> centralized. There's a guy at the yep. top. <laughs> the whole churches, yeah, and um, and we and we surrender, we we surrender like to the to the clergy and to the bishop to make decisions over the diocese. Like yeah. like our bishop just gave us dispensation to eat meat on St. Patrick's Day because because he's because he's Irish and he's like there's a lot of Irish people here but that's not the case with every diocese so it's kind of funny how we how how that all operates and in terms of you know the different locales and how we surrender some of that uh, decision making obviously we hope through the discernment of the Holy Spirit ultimately but um, there is still a human decision being made yeah, and so I just to get back, I, Connor. I like what you said that you know. Again, trustlessness is not like the ultimate good. Decentralization is not the ultimate good. And so I, I as humans, I, like we're social creatures. Like I don't think we could, you know, flourish independently. Like I, I don't think we can. You know, if everybody walled themselves off yeah. and self sustain, I don't like think we would not flourish. I mean, decentralization. Like you know, you lockdowns and COVID. Right. I mean, when everyone was trapped inside, you know, things went were bad. You know. Um, but I also – and trustlessness in how something is transmitted wirelessly, you know, I think that's a good thing to have. But, like, we have to have 
we have to trust people, right? I, like I have to go to the restaurant and trust that they haven't poisoned my food. You know, I have to like, you have to trust a babysitter. There's no trustless way to say, you know, like, like you have to, um, yeah. And if we have any sort of peer to peer network, right. Any peer to peer, um, interactions, you need to, um, have some level of trust for people. And so I think it's good to know people. And, and I, again, I, I think, you know, atomization versus decentralization. I think we can decentralize with a network of people, right? You know, I trust all these people. We have the same common goal, the same mission. And, um, you know, I, I think we can flourish together, you know, whether it's on some commune or, you know, in, in society. And I just have this network of people who, who are near me or even not near me. Um, and I think you can, um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I think you can decentralize. We can remove ourselves from relying on centralized entities because we can rely on each other, which is a good thing. I think it's good to be able to, you know, recognize the things we can't do and the things that we can do and can do for others as well. So, um, yeah, the real, yeah. I was going to say the real question then is like, how can we live a life without big government and without um, big business? Because that's what peer-to-peer is, right? And oh, so, boy, you just opened up a can of worms, Connor. Did I? I think that's – maybe we've been beating around the bush a little bit the whole, this whole time. But, like, that's really the question. Like, local communities, you know, trusting, like, mm-hmm. local entities, people I actually know, someone I can put a face to as opposed to kind of this faceless sure. corporation yeah. or entity yeah. that, you know, doesn't seem to have my interests at home. Yeah, I, I don't know that we were beating around the bush. I think I think this is a good progression. Yeah. I think it was good to play out the individualistic scenario and, and kind of work our way up. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, it's hard. I don't I don't think we can avoid big government. But um, and this was one of the talks Michael Matheson Miller at the um, at the, the conference. He was talking about the parallel polis, and you have so like. I, I think the, the truckers in Canada was a big wake up, you know, when they had Huge. all their assets frozen, you know, I was like, okay, yeah. I have to have something in an account or, you know, with me that I know can't be frozen. Right. So I, I definitely feel that, um, feel that need. And then, um, and, and so he called that soft despotism, right. The, the government, mm-hmm. like, you know, told the business to work with it, you know, to do something right. You know, if they were breaking laws, just arrest them. Right. But like, no, 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 we're going to starve them. We're going to, you know, cut off their supply lines. We're going to, you know, and so how do you not rely on those supply lines? You know, how, how do we remove ourselves from those things so that we can do the things we want to do and, and yeah, not have to worry about that. Yeah. And I think one of the easiest ways to do that, um, is, to rely less on your bank account, which does mean rely more on cash and also more on crypto, um, finding avenues where you can actually use crypto as opposed to having to constantly convert it um, through centralized digital entities where you know you do kind of leave the potential for freezing or um, you know centralized forces to soft allow soft despotism to you know kind of take root against you i guess a lot of those issues with the canadian truckers were because a lot of those cryptos weren't on decentralized entities well there was kind of two problems they froze sure. all of the actual usd contributions in the bank oh, accounts okay. and stuff that were going mm-hmm. to the truckers and then because of that the truckers started and whatnot bitcoin was kind of the thing that people were using but in a lot of cases, they were using centralized exchanges. Coinbase, and then those got yeah. yeah. So it was kind of the double whammy wake-up call about mm-hmm. centralization across the board, both in crypto and in yeah. USD. Mm-hmm. Matt, something that you were talking about really kind of like resonated with me in that when we go to a restaurant and we trust the restaurant or we go to a business because we trust the business, a lot of times it's because there's a lot of other people that trust the business in the same way. You know, I think a lot of times like would depend on like what a what a lot of times when I go to a restaurant or a new restaurant, I will check the Google reviews 
just to see what other people have been saying about it. Because if I want to go, like, I want to have a good experience. And I wonder if, like, that's a similar situation that we're seeing resonate at a global level with crypto and decentralization in general, is that there's more and more positive reviews of being able to interact financially with crypto as opposed to fiat, but we're just not there yet. And until we get to a point where the reviews are enticing enough for individuals to start to interact with each other on a peer-to-peer level using crypto, I think that's the growing pain that has to kind of you know, push through uh, to really make an impact from a financial standpoint is the rev- is having those quality reviews of doing it with people. So like one of my things was like, I really wanted to set up a service based business using BitPay as one of the options for people to pay me uh, to do that, to do a service and just, just to have it as an option. And I mm-hmm. think that like until those options you know, and, and the thing is, like, you have the stripes of the world and all your payment processing companies want nothing to do with that. But until we see more of that open up at a retail level and at, like, just a regular online purchase level, like, with my Amazon order, I don't know if we're going to necessarily see it yet. But at a peer-to-peer level and an actual, like, you know, people letting their friends know, like, hey, like, I've been moving money via bitcoin to my other friend here and we don't get taxed as much as we do on other platforms so you get what i'm saying like it's Mm -hmm. there's a review component that has to be enticing to individuals to want to do that um and interact with each other at a financial level uh that's just something that i was thinking about I, I think there's there's two sides to that. So what you're saying sure. is there's a um, I, I do think adoption can happen kind of at a grassroots level as as people start using it and they use it with each other and they kind of show each other how to use it, which is which is good. I, that's kind of the good way to see adoption. Um, but then the um, other way that's effective, the effective way to see adoption is the truckers in Canada or I mean where we started off in Nigeria where they have you know I mean that's from the government. There's limits on how much cash they can withdraw. And, um, so, so you just see, I, I think, I think, I, I don't know. I don't want to be pessimistic about this, but I don't think we'll see, um, adoption at a national level until we start to see more things like that at a national, you know, in our nation, right. If, if someone's going to get their assets frozen, they're going to get restricted and people who identify with whatever you know whoever that person is who got restricted they'll start to think about it and and the more that that happens i think um yeah i think we'll see more adoption because because i of mean need. that's what 100%. i'm saying we we need more we need more hard things to happen before it really <laughs> pushes people to do it that's the I'm, i i firmly believe that and i know that's very cynical but it's i kind <laughs> yeah. of think it's true i don't hope for hard things i just but like I, I just i don't i don't foresee yeah, big adoption without a need. Crypto, crypto adoption terrorists. Yeah, no, God, no, God. no <laughs> don't make the need. No, <laughs> no. If no. you want to get, that always adoption, like the classic like villain stance. Like here. you know, this had to be done. You know, like I didn't want to do this, but <laughs> don't do it. You're hearing it here. Don't do it. <laughs> don't don't force adoption. Encourage adoption. Peer to peer, like Brandon yes. said. Yeah. Send your friend Bitcoin. Make him adopt it that way. It's just so tough because big crypto marketing, like, you know, looking back at the Super Bowl last year, that couldn't have been a more worse way to promote people to get into crypto than all of those ads. It's like, uh, you know, it just kind of sits with me. Like, all these people got into crypto just to get burned. um, And... Flew too yeah. close to the sun, and look what happens. Yeah, it, I'm a victim of it too, so I'm not calling myself righteous in this department either. Like I thought that some of these platforms were incredible, like BlockFi, Voyager, um, etc. But uh, yeah, I, I was wrong, and I'm that's why I'm more 
prone to be pro Bitcoin now than other cryptos. And I'm not a Bitcoin maxi by any stretch, but I've just appreciated Bitcoin a lot more the past year as opposed to the other as opposed to other um, cryptocurrency projects. Well, what it really comes down to is incentives, I feel like, because yep. I, I have noticed that a lot, like looking at the what is drawing people into the ecosystem and you can kind of like, I feel like determine a little bit. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't fully know what I'm saying, but you can almost, uh, you want people to be drawn to crypto because of certain incentives and other people coming into crypto because of other, like other people, oh, this is great because it drives adoption. Yeah, but it drives adoption for what reason? And it was just really the people that we need in this ecosystem at this moment, you know? Um, because, w- and that's what it is with Bitcoin. Nine, I would say maybe 80% of the people that own Bitcoin are there because they want decentralized money. They don't like the Fed. They want, you know, immutable. Things can't be changed. Uh, nobody can touch my assets. Um, you know, those are the types of people that are in Bitcoin. And other projects kind of draw a lot of people that are there because of potential to make money. Um, you know, people who are always looking for way to make a quick buck. Um, NFT people who, who uh, you know, well, there's a lot of financial incentives there as well. But also just people that are there for just different incentives, right? Um, mm-hmm. And uh, and that was kind of, I don't know, I don't want to get too, too into the weeds, but um, I, I was just noticing with, uh, with the whole Brantley situation, I, uh, I wrote an article about that because um, what you notice in Web3, and Brantley kind of brought this up in his, in his talk, but it's almost like what happened to him signified how actually a lot of people were into crypto because of libertarian stances and wanting to create you know, systems that were decentralized. And then with kind of NFTs and, and whatnot, you had these other people that were entering crypto for very different reasons um, and were kind of didn't really have the libertarian mind. Uh, they like Web3 because of the idea of DAOs and um, inclusiveness and you know, everybody can participate kind of mentality, which is sometimes attracts people who maybe have a little bit of a different political leanings. Um, and so you kind of had that wall play out. But you also had that wall play out between Bitcoin and Ethereum, when now Ethereum is attracting a lot of people who are after DeFi and financial incentives, yeah. whereas Bitcoin is still very much protected in its kind of bubble of anti-government, anti-Fed stances. I, I rambled of, a lot with that one. I don't know if you guys no, followed that. <laughs> well, I mean, I get, no, Connor, I get what you're saying. Like, honestly, like I came for into crypto, you know, come for the profits, but I'm staying now for the values that crypto stands for. And I think yeah. that that's something that when people get into crypto and I'm like people that actually get into it, like and actually like look at what's going on and what's being built if you look at the whole of that, it's something that's admirable and a lot more convicting than the infrastructure that we have been surrounded by, um, at least in my lifetime. And Mm -hmm. it gives everybody a chance as opposed to other investment avenues. Um, and, and you can, you can learn to code, you can learn to do things with it that you can't really do with other other things it's 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 truly a a new frontier like it's truly the wild west and i think that's ultimately why like obviously like i said i came because i saw profit profit potential but now i'm staying because there's so much more to it than what i came into it for so yeah decentralization being one of those things All right. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I can agree. Um, you know, I, I feel like, um, uh, it, it, and that is the question, right? Because if a lot of people come in for talking the wrong reasons, right? If people come into profit or day trade, you know, they don't like then they're stuck. They're on an exchange because that's where you can do that, and then they, you know, don't even think about taking their stuff off the exchange. Um, but uh, no, I agree. I, I think I think there's good things that crypto can offer, and I hope that um, people 
take advantage of those and, and use them before we need to use them. I hope people adopt it before we need mm. to adopt it. Um, and, uh, but also to your point of just decentralization, like I feel like that's a much better adoption curve when it happens in a very decentralized manner. Like you said, people noticing, you know, somebody else who is maybe getting blacklisted or their accounts get frozen. Um, and that's driving them to start to take an interest in these things. And now they're adopting crypto because of that. You kind of have this slow adoption curve, um, you know, things that happen in Nigeria are causing people to pick up crypto. Because, I mean, you really think about it. Like, I thought about this. If I was president, like, how would you even go about, like, transitioning to something so radical as, like, okay, we're going to Bitcoin now. And all of a sudden, the U.S., like, stock market, all financial markets just crash at once and, like, you just totally wreck havoc on society. Like, you can't do that, you know? So you need this very decentralized adoption curve to happen. It's nuts how closely tied the the government is to all of it isn't it well if they print the money and everything <laughs> true and valued in money you know <laughs> i know it's just just crazy to me so yeah well all right close us I out think, yeah i think on that note um yeah, I think we covered the topic of decentralization as well as we could. And I guarantee we're going to have more of these conversations in the future, too, because, you know, the the value of decentralization, although it's not like 100% Christian, there's still some parallel with decentralization and uh, a Christian culture to certain extents. Uh, we want to trust our brothers and sisters, but... We also want to have our privacy and our property and our autonomy at the same time. Well, um, it's just particularly so. like, I wouldn't say like there's nothing Christian about decentralization. It's just, it's like money. Money is a tool and decentralization yeah. is a tool. Mm-hmm. Like this is something that's okay. good for us to use, especially yeah. given the situation that we're in now. So I, yeah, I, I think at any point in history, you know, if, if, um, you know, when you're under persecution, um, from a government, a regime, um, you know, you'd like for ways to kind of remove yourself a little bit from it. So I I think it could be used by Christians for Christian reasons. It could also be used by non-Christians for non-Christian reasons. (laughs) It's a tool. All right. Decentralization is a tool. All right. (laughs) I like how we ended that. Well, Everybody, thank you so much for listening, watching, wherever podcasts are found. Like, comment, review, subscribe, download, unsubscribe, resubscribe. We appreciate it. It all helps. Um, Appreciate you taking the time. We'll be coming back with another awesome episode next week. And uh, hopefully we can start integrating more awesome topics and people into the shows the next couple of episodes as we um, continue down this journey of the crypto conversion and this project crypto conversion podcast so uh, again thank you everybody that's taking your time and hope we provided some value for you and with that being said have a great rest of your day peace